This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. Hello, and welcome to Marketing Trends. This is producer Ben Wilson. Today's episode features an interview with Paige O'Neill, CMO of Sitecore. Paige is a three-time CMO who has more than 20 years of experience in senior marketing roles across many areas of enterprise software, customer experience, and cloud computing. On this episode, Paige talks about the future of digital experience, customer journey mapping, CMO tips, and much more. Enjoy. Marketing Trends is brought to you by Salesforce Pardot, B2B marketing automation on the world's number one CRM. Are you ready to take your B2B marketing to new heights? With Pardot, marketers can find and nurture leads, close more deals, and maximize ROI. Learn more by visiting pardot.com slash podcast, or click on the link in our show notes. Here is your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, Chief Content Officer here at Mission.org. And to my right, at Sitecore HQ, Lauren Vaccarello. Hello, how are you doing? How's everybody? It's good to have you back. I feel like it's been a while. I know. I just it doesn't feel right when I'm not when I'm not here with you. It really doesn't. And we have our special guest. Paige, what's going on? Hey, not much. I'm thrilled to be here with you guys today. Thanks for stopping by. Yeah, it's exciting to get to be here, see the see the HQ here, walk around uh, sunny San Francisco. It's a beautiful day, and we're going to be talking about all things marketing in your career. So first, how did you get into marketing? Well, that's a good uh, story. I'll, I'll stick to the short version of it. I was studying to be a college professor and went to take a part-time job at a PR agency and didn't even know what a PR agency was, honestly. And next thing I knew, I was dropping out of the PhD program and embarking on a career in public relations, and I never really looked back. That's crazy. Wow. So from – I always feel like more, the best marketers are – our teachers. So I feel like you, you know, it lives on. It does. I mean, I think you, when, especially when you're managing teams of people, you always, I think, have an opportunity to teach and help expand their skill sets. And that's really a part of the job I enjoy most. Do you ever think you'll finish your PhD? No. <laughs> <laughs> I like the definitiveness of that answer. I'd like to say yes, but I'm just going to be honest and say, I think it'd be super interesting to finish it, but probably not. But, but you're good now. Yeah. So why were you so excited to uh, to join Sitecore? Well, you know, for me, Sitecore really came at the perfect time. I've got a rich history in the MarTech space. I've worked for several other vendors in the same space over the last 10 years or so. And Sitecore was at just a really exciting growth trajectory. The company's on fire. We're launching new products. We're acquiring companies. We're growing. We're solving a critical business need for marketers. And the company needed to take marketing to the next level. And so that, to me, is just the ultimate excitement for a CMO to have that set of conditions and be able to come in and help take it to the next step. And for our listeners who don't know, can you share a little bit more about both what Sitecore does and also like what does the marketing organization look like? Yeah, and so Sitecore is the leader in digital experience, which is a topic I think that's near and dear to every marketer's heart. So we sell a digital experience platform, software that helps companies combine all of their content from various channels and be able to get a read on what customers are doing with that content so they can deliver an optimized experience. We also have commerce software so we can help kind of take it to the next level from a transactional standpoint. Point. And we just recently acquired a content hub capability. For us, it's really about what's the journey that content's going to be on from the time the marketing department creates it all the way through to how customers consume it and being able to optimize it across that trajectory. It's such an you know obvious and critical juncture for digital experience. Like we are at this point where Every single you know person's customer journey has the vast majority of it happens digitally, mm-hmm. and then you have obviously those sales conversations that are tracked now digitally. You have so many different touch points. You have the rise of ABM. You have all of this stuff that if you don't know where people are looking, what they're doing, you're not going to be an effective CMO. We talk about it a lot. What do you think is kind of like the current state of 
digital experience, and then we'll get into how it's going to change. Yeah. And I mean, it, not only do I think you can't be an effective CMO, I think you're not going to be in business for much longer if you're not getting a handle pretty quickly on customer experience and what customers are expecting from companies. I think it's transcended the realm of the marketing department and has gone to the board level and, and the CEO level of almost every organization. And, and it's it's really just a, a point that we've reached where Companies have to understand what their customer expects from them, what kind of experiences they want to have delivered, what kind of interactions the brand should be having with them, and delivering to those expectations, exceeding those expectations even. And if they don't do that, customers have many other choices. And so the technology obviously is such a critical underpinning to all of that to be able to understand from customer behavior how to evolve and and improve on that experience. And then I know you've you've done a lot of this uh, since you've joined Sitecore and you've had your own digital transformation that's happened here. I'd love to hear about what you've done here and how you've taken a lot of a lot of those ideas and really sort of brought them home here. Yeah, and it's something that I felt very passionately about when I first walked into the door of the company. Of course, we're leveraging our own technology and have always done that. But I felt that as a CMO and and really from the marketing department's perspective holistically, we wanted to be the best possible case study for the use of Sitecore technology and be able to go out and talk to customers having understood and gone through everything that they're going through. And so I really wanted to take a step back, look at how to evolve our usage of the technology. And so we did the same process that all of our customers do. We went out and talked to strategic agency partners to understand what their strategy would be for customer experience. We evaluated the Sitecore technology as well as other technology pieces that we're using. We took a significant amount of time to do customer journey mapping. And you guys can actually see our customer journey map. I'll show it to you on the way out of the, the HQ here. But doing that, that all of that work and, and going through our own digital transformation gave us a really strong seat at any customer conversation to be able to say, I understand why digital transformation is such an imperative for your business. I've done it myself. Here's the approach that I've taken. Here are the benefits that we're hoping to see at Sitecore as we roll this out. And we're going to be rolling out the phase one of the digital transformation on July 12th. So that's that's just 11 days away. So if you see any people frantically working in the corner there as you walk out, you'll know why. (laughs) And um, and by the time this airs, we'll probably be this is we're, we're in the past right now, or we're yeah. in the future. So we'll ever uh, rule to, number one of podcasts is never give a date. Oh no, so it's great. Date, yeah. It's all good. People uh, <laughs> now, people will be able to go back, and this will be a little time capsule for them. And they can check out the website. So, I think a lot of you know marketing leaders struggle with this: who owns digital experience? Like, how much does IT play in this? How does the technology stack play into this? You know, is it CIO, CTO, CDO? How do you think that the folks that you've worked with on the marketing side, how do they plug into that company, those other executives in a way that makes sense? Yeah. And th- I mean, this is a topic of conversation that I have really everywhere that I go. I just finished uh, doing three CMO roundtables in three different cities over the last month. And the topic was digital transformation. And this whole ownership topic came up at every single one of them in Boston, in New York, here in San Francisco. And it's it's really different for every company. I mean, there are certainly best practices, but depending on the maturity level of the organization, the size of the organization, how the company is structured, whether you've got a CDO, and, and one of the, the big takeaways that, that we had with other CMOs discussing this is the organization has to really be the right maturity level to bring a CDO in. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Often that that person can be very effective in harnessing the strategy and the technology and the marketing and all of the various components and bringing that together. But if they don't have a clear charter and a strategy that's established or the buy-in to establish that, they're most likely going to fail in the organization. And I think there are many examples of both successes and failures of that role. But I think it it really depends on, I I think the strategy has to come from the C-level Certainly, if not the CEO, then certainly the C-suite has to be aligned on it. Ideally, the CEO and the board are, are driving digital transformation. And I think also that it has to really step beyond the bounds of just marketing, even mm-hmm. if marketing is in there first. 
trying to get it going. We've got to find alignment in other places in the C-suite to drive a larger agenda around it. It's not just a marketing initiative. And where where do you recommend companies get started with digital transformation? What's the best inroad? I think if they if they're really starting at square one or square zero, it really is to first understand it from the customer's point of view and, and understand what are the customer's expectations of the experience? What is the customer trying to accomplish when they're interacting with the company, buying products and services from the company? How is that going well? How is that not necessarily going well? And it, it was really the first step that we took in our own digital transformation. I mentioned our, our customer journey uh, roadmap, which is hanging on the wall. And we, we really took several months to take steps back and evaluate every customer touch point across the organization understood what the customer was trying to do at that interaction point, understood where it wasn't necessarily going that well. And then it gave us a starting point to say, okay, well, now we understand where we're falling down and where we need to focus in so that we could start to size the project into chunks that seemed more manageable versus just saying, yeah, digital transformation, we're tackling that. It's this huge, massive thing. Mm -hmm. And with with doing all the, the customer journey mapping and you're figuring everything out, what internal teams do you get involved? What type of customers do you reach out to? I know you've done this a lot during your career. How do you, how, what's, your, what's your playbook for everybody? Yeah, I mean, I think it really is a team sport. Yep. And, I, and I mentioned already that I think it starts with, ideally it starts from the CEO, but it certainly has to start with multiple C-level executives. And so I think you've got to first make sure there's alignment in the top parts of the company around what we're trying to accomplish and that everyone realizes that and is aligned around those common objectives. And then also making sure that there is a realistic talk track and assessment of the time frame that it's going to take, the budget that it's going to take, what the technology stack is going to look like. Do you have the IT chops to manage this internally? Do we need to bring in people from the outside to help share some of the some of the workload with IT. But that alignment at the C-level, it's where almost every organization that I talk to falls down is they either don't have the CEO bought in mm-hmm. or they don't have alignment amongst the C-suite to be able to move the ball forward and get the appropriate budget. And then you've got people in different parts of the organization who realize how important this is, but they're scrambling to get executive level attention and they're frustrated and they're not making progress. I want to talk about some specific like examples and use cases because I think there's just so many different types of companies that have so much depth in their, you know, web properties now, especially when you look at, you know, a vertical like financial services where you have a portfolio of brands, you have completely different B2B versus B2C websites potentially, or like, you know, house of brands like amusement parks or aquariums or things like that. You're looking at this massive swath of digital real estate that you need to control and customize and engineer a great experience. How would you like go about looking at each of those different sites and like how does Sitecore ultimately help people kind of figure out the way to, to do that best. Yeah, and, and we have customers across all of those segments. I mean, if you look at financial services, for example, which is you know certainly a big focus for us, uh, and you know not only do they potentially have many different brands that might be within one conglomerate or one entity, all of whom have websites, all of whom have different businesses. We have a, a large European financial services customer that – It's got kind of a combination of it's got private equity, it's got business to consumer. So they've got banking initiatives that they've got underway. They've also got loan services for for businesses. And they also have set themselves up as the parent company wants to run a templated model for all of their hundreds of bank sites to get on board with digital transformation and be able to leverage a common set of web services to do that. And so it's just you, you take all those different business considerations into account, plus this this model of setting up the parent-child relationship for digital transformation. And then you layer in all of the, the regulations that banking industry has to adhere to. And it's just amazingly complicated. And so I think, again, though, I'll go back to this customer has been very successful because 
they had a common understanding across all of the banks about what they were trying to achieve because they knew that they had to shift their business from being primarily customers walking into a bank branch or even businesses walking into a bank branch to transitioning to be digital. And they set goals for X percent of our business has to be digital by X time frame. They got alignment across all of the different businesses to make that happen. And then they were able to select a technology vendor, in this case, Sitecore, that had the flexibility and depth to make that happen. But they were doing it from the vantage point of driving strategic change and also understanding how their customer had evolved Mm -hmm. and what services they wanted to receive and the fact that they wanted to receive those services digitally. And what you brought up is this really amazing sort of customer first approach that a lot of these these businesses are doing of the way we used to do business worked, but the customer has changed, the world has evolved, and we now need to deliver on the expectations of a modern customer and really sort of thinking about that from that lens. And honestly, for me, that ties so much to what you were talking about with how you built your customer journey. Oh, no. And and I was just going to say on that, too, that it almost seems like you have a very nested approach. And it's kind of similar to how you build websites, which Mm -hmm. is funny. But it's like you need to have kind of like overarching, you know, company mission and those brand goals and figure out where each of those many customer journeys fit into those larger pieces. And it's like, it's funny to look at, it's not funny, uh, funny, interesting, Uh but uh, it's just interesting to look at how a company is like, if you were to say like their, you know, customer health score, you could look at their digital properties and how responsive they are and how you know, well, they do what they're supposed to do. And it's a pretty good assessment of probably how strong the marketing organization is. Because like, ultimately, if your, you know, house looks horrible, it's not going to be a place that people want to spend money. And one thing that I've said to so many companies I've advised and work with is the most important asset the marketing department has is your website. Mm -hmm. And this is the face of your company. It's the brand. It's the main touch point. And There are still so many companies and businesses that don't invest in their website that the website doesn't even sit in the marketing department. And you're like, how can you, with the exception of sort of app-first businesses, which is a small exception, I don't know how a marketer can really excel at their job if you are not delivering a best-in-class digital experience where your website is responsive, is so beyond table stakes, it is personalized and up-to-date and really delivers on what the customer and the the visitor is looking for. Absolutely. I mean, you're preaching to the choir certainly here. (laughs) It's it's our entire business. And when you sit in the CMO seat in a business that's selling that technology, I think it has to be even more true. But, you know, I've been the CMO of, I think, seven different companies now, and, and I've never walked in the door of a company and not had usually the, the CEO, but you know somebody high up in the organization within 24 hours say, yeah, our website's terrible. So what are you yeah. going to do about that? Right. It's always yeah. within the first 24 hours. Yep. And it's, it's very hard, especially if you're working for a company that has any size and scale to it at all. Mm-hmm. That's got, you know, we've got thousands of web pages on the Sitecore website and we're a mid-sized company. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's, it's complicated and, and hard to take the step back to work out the strategy. And I fall into the pitfall myself so many times of being in a role and you just want to get the website out the door in a couple of months. And you, and I've, I've in previous roles, not had the courage, honestly, to go to the board and the C-suite and say, yeah, you know, we really need to work out our customer journey strategy and that's going to take us six months. And so as a result, it's going to take us a year to get this website transformation and digital transformation underway. It's very scary to walk in front of the board and the and the CEO and try to have that conversation. But now after I'm, you know, 20 years into my CMO career, so I can do it now. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I couldn't agree with you more. And every place I have ever worked, it has been our website's terrible. What can you do? Can you fix this? Our website's terrible. And always in the back of my head, it's who was here before me that all of these websites are always terrible. And then the other piece of it is oh, everyone's attention span is about 15 seconds. So you loved it at one point and now you might hate it. But it is the, there's always this pressure for how do you fix it? How do you update? It's the most important asset we have. But by the way, I can't flip a switch and turn this around overnight. And I'm so impressed by you being able to go in and say, 
I will do this for you and it will be incredible. But by the way, here's the prep work that needs to happen first. And it is the uh, ready, aim, fire where it's fire, aim, ready. It's like, Mm -hmm. no, we're going to do the customer journey. We're going to do this. And this is how to do this the right way. And I've had times in my career where I should have done that and said, let's redo the messaging and let's, let's wait. But it is, what can we do in parallel and how do you do this? And I'll get this live in six months. But by the way, I have destroyed a dozen people to get this live in, in six months. Yeah, you burn a lot of institutional capital when, yes. uh, and when every single person wants you know, something and you just constantly are pushing back. What are some best practices that, that you've had, Paige, on being able to go to the board and say, Wait, we need to be patient and do this, but also get some wins early on, like, Let's do the homepage first or something like that. I don't know. And that's exactly it, right? I mean, it's it's one thing to go in and say we're going to take a thoughtful approach and take the time to work out the strategy. So, I mean, I think the first, the first thing is you have to be courageous in your convictions and have the data to back it up when you're telling an audience, especially a senior level, board level audience, something they might not want to hear. I had a board member when I made the presentation say to me, well, great, well, can't we do all this in four months? And I said, you know, it takes our customers this long to do this. So why do you expect that our own marketing department can can shortcut it? Our, our customers can't, and we need to go through the same process that they can. And then the other thing that you absolutely have to have are, are quick wins. And so, yes, I mean, we're rolling out the the big I'm calling it the phase one of the digital transformation, but it's actually phase four. Yeah. <laughs> and phase one was we did a rebrand. And so we updated the rebrand on the website because we banished all the old colors and the look and feel. Phase two was we updated the homepage. And phase three was we updated some of the product pages with new messaging that we rolled out. But the the big bang, the true digital transformation is the thing that's taken the, the 10, 11 months. And it's a whole new replatform of the technology, increased use of personalization, integration with our, our digital asset management capabilities and many other things. And that's what really has taken the lion's share of the time. Can I say, by the way, when we're setting the headquarters uh, or in the, in the lobby, what a just awesome look and feel the logo. And it's just so streamlined and you did a fantastic job. Well, just, thank you. It just looks <laughs> awesome. And it's one of those, it's just like, Great font choice. Uh, as someone who loves logos, I'm like super. Ge- I was geeking out about. It. I'm like, this is great. <laughs> I I can't tell you how much I appreciate that sort of that sense of design and design element. And know, it just, too. I don't know if everyone realizes that things like that will also impact perception of your product. And if you can change nothing with your product by by making the the update to your logo to your font choices, you feel more modern. And your product is perceived as more modern. If you have an old website with a non-modern design sense and a non-modern font choice, and you could have the best product in the world, from a perception standpoint, you are now digging out of that hole when someone jumps in versus where you are right now with the Sitecore branding where you just feel like the sort of best in class or modern modern business around this. I couldn't agree more, especially if you're selling into a marketing audience, because we're paying attention to that more so than any other area of the organization. So I think going in with a dated look and feel is a non-starter. Absolutely. I'd imagine that you have obviously a ton of stakeholders when you're working with a company from technology and marketing and kind of every operations and everything in between. I'd imagine that that, that the, you know, overall kind of position that your sales teams are working with is like, you know, having all of the website look and all of the pages and all the different stuff look and feel the right way is hugely enormous. But you have lots of different types of personas visiting the website for completely different reason, as do many companies and many of our listeners. But it's just a way more complex, high visibility thing. Like this is the ultimate visibility, right? Is that something that once you have all of the infrastructure in place, working with the sales teams to make sure that those assets are on the sites in the right place with the right type of content is something, is that part of, is that phased in or how do you work on that content in parallel with what you're doing? Yeah. And it's, I mean, it, it, in some cases it's phased in. So for some of the earlier phases of the project that we did, 
we were also going through a corporate messaging update mm-hmm. and a solution messaging update. And so that absolutely gets obviously reviewed with all of the various stakeholders you have across the departments and then gets flowed into updating the website. But then for this larger project that we're about to roll out, it was much more intricate of a, of a project plan where we actually brought in we worked with Serious Decisions, for example, to yeah. do a content audit and look at mapping all of our content to our sales cycle stages. We worked with the sales team to understand from their perspective what was resonating with the audience they were having conversations with. And then we came up with a much more comprehensive content plan, took a look at where we had gaps, and then the content team has been working feverishly for the last couple of months to fill in those content gaps so that we've got a broader spectrum across the persona across the different solution areas and mapped to our own site core sales cycles. Are there any mistakes or common mistakes that you've seen marketers make or CMOs make when looking at kind of that digital expansion and then where content plugs in? Well, I think the, I know a mistake that I made earlier on in my career was I think the, the getting the right mix between thought leadership content and solution content and customer case studies, and then more technical content. As, as you've already mentioned, we're selling into many different personas from IT to digital marketing to CMOs to digital officers, and they're looking at it from different vantage points. And I know that earlier on in my career, I love working on the thought leadership content. I think a lot of CMOs do because that's where we get to talk about the, you know, the sexy positioning and controversial topics and try to be provocative and get attention. And I failed to understand earlier in my career that it was hugely important to connect the dots for the sales team in terms of how this high-level content translates to what they're actually out there selling. Yeah. And you know, earlier on, you know, probably 10 years ago or so, I came out with this fantastic thought leadership campaign. And we got the sales team to put a slide in the front of their pitch decks that had a summary of the thought leadership. And then they just went right into their regular pitch. And it took me a while to realize, wait a minute, first of all, they're not really understanding why this slide is there. They're not able to connect the dots between this and the solution positioning. And so everything just kind of continued on. They spent an awkward 90 seconds trying to do the thought leadership and then just went right into their pitch. And as a result, the leads didn't connect through the pipeline for that campaign because we didn't connect the dots. We didn't do the nurture. We didn't do the sales training. And so I think marketers have to really understand the different content needs at the different sales cycle stages, make sure the sales team understands the purpose of various marketing content pieces so that we're following up on that together in a cohesive manner as a team. Yeah, that's where that sales enablement piece is so critical. And I think it's a lot of like that positioning of like, this is where we're going to be. Like we're the company that's going to be here for the next 10 years. Like we see the future differently. Like that conversation, you know, when you're having it with like the end user, (laughs) They really don't care because they have right. the problem that's burning a hole right. in their pocket right this second. Yeah. How am I going to get this website live? I'm mean, going to be here in 10 years if I don't get the website live <laughs> in three months, right? Yeah. Exactly. I'm not going to be here in four <laughs> months if I don't get the website live in three. Right. Yeah. Let's get into some more of those lessons learned as a seven-time CMO. What was one thing that you wish you had done when you first became a CMO? I wish I – I mean, it's impossible to, I think, have this with hindsight, but I, I wish I would have had more confidence and understood that my role as an expert in marketing was something that the organization was really looking to me to provide. Because I think earlier on in my career, I was very easily swayed or taken off a focused task by either a squeaky wheel or you know someone in sales saying, oh, we should be focused over here. And I didn't always have the conviction to say – this is our direction. This is the message that's resonating in the market. Here's the data that applies to why we're doing this and and trying to convince the organization about the direction. I was too quick to switch gears. And I think that was just a lack of confidence. I think that there's a piece there where it's like, if you don't do your internal homework and be like, this is exactly what I believe to be true. It's like, you got to do a lot of convincing to get me off of this because this is like I'm staking my reputation of like this is what I believe. And then I I think you're right that like people a lot of times don't even 
mean to do harm. They see that they're like, hey, you know, we should change the brand, like the logo. That's like one of the classes. Yeah. The CEO problems, change the swag, change the logo, you know, super high visibility, like CEO type things. And like, if you don't kind of have the capital to just say, why? Like, do people actually not like our logo, for example? Or like, or are they pe- just making a comment? Yeah. Or is it just like, you know, whatever? Well, and I think the the thing that goes along with that as well is, you know, when a CMO comes into a new role, one of the first things we always want to do is, all right, we're going to change the brand, we're going to change the logo, <laughs> yep. we're going to change the message. And is that the right thing to do? And, and I think really having an honest conversation with the organization and taking that feedback, we didn't actually, as we went through our rebrand process, we didn't change the logo. We changed a lot of other things. We completely changed the look and feel and the Mm -hmm. color palette and the font. We tweaked the lines of the logo to make them look more modern. But when I came in the door, one of the first things I said, I think on day one was, all right, great, we're going to do a rebrand. We're going to change the logo. Of course, we're going to change that. And then as I went on a listening tour across the company and I started to understand the heritage of the logo, it was very clear to me that it would have been a mistake to change it because there was a lot of history grounded in that and a lot of emotion from not only our employees, but our developer community who's super passionate and people that had a history with the company. And so what we needed to do was modernize it, not change it. Mm -hmm. And I think 10 years ago, I probably would have tried to jam a change down the organization's throat because it's what I wanted to do and I wouldn't have been listening. And I think even just the way you, you communicated that because you were like, we didn't change it, we modernized it. And it's different today than it was, you know, yesterday, but just how you communicate that doesn't feel as harsh. It's, this is still you, this is still pure, this is still the company, but we just modernize it as something that feels so much more palatable for a passionate community, a passionate organization. And it's funny when I was, um, when I was at Box, the, the logo had this deep emotional, thing in the organization and you could sit there and go, but you do realize the spacing between letters is not, (laughs) oh, okay, never mind, never mind. And we know that it's weird that this, just leave it alone. And once you figure out that this is a, I hate the word sacred or phrase sacred cow, but this is a hot button for people. We are emotionally connected to this and just tweaking how you communicate about changes because- I never changed the logo at Box, but the color is different now. And yeah. it's it's slightly different, but it's different. But I never, never touched the logo. But that's right? like the no. Google. That's like when Google changed, right? And they were basically like, we physically can't use this font anymore. Yes. It's not a real font yes. like, for that is like widely used. Like we have to change it. But it's like still basically the same thing. Yes. It's just a little bit of font change, right? It's cleaner. Yeah, it's a little cleaner. And, and I think that that's a great way of thinking about it. Do you have... Any other kind of pieces that in your, you know, first 90 days um, that you would recommend CMOs look at to say, hey, I, you should definitely do this or you should definitely not do this? Yeah, I always, when I go into an organization, there's almost always a, a set of things that need to be prioritized that you probably got a sense of when you did the interview. Mm-hmm. And then when I come into the organization, I'm always looking to first validate that, that those are those are really the priorities. But it's almost always some combination of, you know, we need to work on corporate messaging or we need to work on branding or we need to elevate our position in the marketplace. That's typically one of the reasons that companies are hiring a new CMO is because mm-hmm. those things need to happen. So I find that's kind of a common ask across at least the positions that I've gone into. And and I think it can be very powerful as part of your onboarding. You, you, I kind of always know immediately when I come in the door, okay, there's going to be a positioning exercise that's going to happen here. So I want to get that off the ground. Starting on day one, I think it could be a quick win for a new CMO. And so I, I, I go around and talk to as many employees as I can, and it's part of the onboarding, but I'm also asking them a set of questions around positioning that I can then take and turn into a data-driven analysis for what we need to do to tweak the positioning. And then as the weeks go on, I'm expanding that to the analysts, to our customers. And so you're kind of checking the box of onboarding and getting the positioning work started at the same time. What about 
partnerships, vendors, you have some, you know, deep partnerships here at Sitecore. Is that something that you look at in the first 90 days? Like, I'm going to evaluate all these, but I'm not going to, you know, pull the trigger on changing anything right away. Or how do you view that? You know, I, I, I can't remember a time when evaluating technology partnerships was ever in the phase one. I think it's usually around either positioning or some kind of a, unless there's a lead gen challenge and then it could rise to the level of being a technology partnership that needs to be evaluated. That's interesting because I think a lot of people are like, Hey, I used to use this and I want to use this again, sort of a thing. You know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that's a fine way to think about it. And I've certainly encountered, you know, many CMOs and CEOs that do think about it that way. I, I tend to look at it from, I mean, there could be a reason that you want to do a technology evaluation immediately, but I, I just have not found that that rises to my tier one thing uh, thing to look at. That's really interesting. I mean, I think that that's one of those things like a logo or something that you're just, you know, the, the maybe it's the artist in all of us, uh, the creative in all of us are just like, hey, I like the look and feel of this product that I've used in the past. But that's like one of those selfish things that potentially is like the whole organization is running on this. I should probably figure out. Yeah. Right. And I completely agree with you. And I feel like that's a mistake a lot of people make going into a job is this is how I've always done things. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to move my technology. I'm going to move this because this is how I've always done things versus this is a different organization, a different process, different people, different problems that you're solving. And you might be right, but what may be here may be worth digging in. And to the point you made earlier, there's so much work to be done. Do you really want to spend time and capital ripping and replacing something that's 5% easier for you versus for the rest of the organization? It's like how you always want kombucha when you come. <laughs> I know. It's like just ripping that out and replacing it with the water you have today. And it's just it's just as good, although I'm not getting my probiotics. Yeah, that's true. Well, kombucha is a different story. I would definitely rip and replace for the kombucha. <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, I maybe at some point you get to making a technology change. Mm -hmm. I you know, pretty frequently do make technology changes, but I don't do it because I've always worked with Vendor X and and the reason it's probably not rising to my my level one list of priorities is I'm going to first get in and understand what technology do we have? How mm -hmm. is it working? How's the team using it? And by the time any pain points are starting to be uncovered that lead me to think maybe there needs to be a technology change, I'm probably well beyond the first 90 days. Yep. And you had mentioned something earlier that I think was really, really great. And you were talking about when you go to the board and you are, this is how you're not going to push back necessarily, but... They are looking for a change in four months and you're saying it's going to take 12 and here's quick wins. And I have to believe that comes from all of your experience building relationships with the board and getting that that credibility. I think our listeners would love advice on how do you do that? How do you build board credibility and then how do you really work with them? Yeah. And I think every board is different at every company. Mm -hmm. I've, I've been at companies where the board is very involved on an individual level. I've been at companies where you really only saw the board quarterly or even twice yearly when you were having the meetings and not really much in between and, and every variation of that. And so I think the first thing that you have to understand is how involved is this board, the, the board that you're working with? Who are the individuals that comprise the board? We always talk about the board as an entity, but Great the point. board is comprised of people that are very different. I mean, the Sitecore board, we've got an amazing board. It's, I mean, it's a privilege to work with all of them. And I'm not just saying that in case they're listening. It really, it really <laughs> is. But, but they're very different and they're coming at the business from their own unique vantage points. And so I think you have to understand that, understand what's making them tick, proactively try to build the relationship in, in conjunction with the CEO. I mean, I think often the CEO has things that she or he would like you to focus on when you're building that relationship with the board, but being proactive, understanding where they're coming from, understanding what those quick wins are going to be so that you're, you're pairing a, a, well, this is going to take longer with a, but we're going to get this in this time frame, and this is going to be amazing. So this will tide us over until we get to the 12 month. What is one of your favorite campaigns that you've ever done? Well, I always go back to – we did a campaign when I was uh, at a primo back in – it was a long time ago. It was like 2007. And, and the reason I always go back to this campaign is because it became the foundation for – I've probably done this same campaign but with updated content and messaging – 10 times since we did it at a primo and it was uh, it was called uh, the Re the marketing revolution and this was at a time when we were in a recession 
the tenure of the CMO was at an all-time low. It was down to about 18 months. Budgets were shrinking and digital was exploding and CMOs were freaking out because at the time, no one, they had any, had no idea what to do with digital. What are we supposed to do with all this? We're losing control of the brand. Customers are talking back to us on social media. And we, we kind of leaned into, and, and we still had the illusion we were going to control that, right? Which yeah. was just completely false. But we leaned into some of that fear and had this brainstorm with our customers at an event. We were having a discussion about all these changes, and it turned into this just kind of this battle cry with this CMO of a major brand who was there. And she said, we need a revolution in marketing. (laughs) And I just remember thinking, that's our campaign. And so we turned that into a thought leadership campaign, and we had these imperatives of the marketing revolution. There were five of them, and it, it became this amazing campaign. And I then turned it into a blueprint for thought leadership that I've taken with me to every company since then. So we're running this at Sitecore right now, actually. And and the campaign is called Five Hard Truths for Marketers Driving Digital Experience. Oh, that's great. We'll link that up in the show notes. Awesome. That's sweet. (laughs) Um, What about a campaign that maybe was your best learning experience? Best learning experience... You know, I I think uh, I I spent 10 years at Oracle and we were really, I think, pushing the envelope on many different things uh, during the time that I was there. And we had a a campaign that Oracle was was going into the the outsourcing business. And uh, the argument at the time was we were trying to get our support customers to outsource their support to Oracle, which was ahead of its time. This was back in 2004, 2005. And I think that we, we, so we spent a lot of time and energy on the PR components of the campaign, the analyst components of the campaign, building out the messaging. We even had this great tagline, let Oracle manage Oracle. And we didn't spend enough time really educating the sales team about why this was something they should be pushing in their conversations with customers. And so as a result, kind of the, I think the publicity and the, success of the messaging kind of ran away from the business results a little bit. And we couldn't understand why, because it just, it was such a, it was such a fantastic campaign. The press were covering it. It was getting all this exposure and it just hit like a dud in the, in the sales team within Oracle. And so after about six months of that, we had to really kind of turn it upside down and say, wait a minute, we need to start this campaign internally first and get the sales team on board with us for why we're doing this and why we're making these changes. I think that's such a great example. And I think so many marketers, we forget about the importance of internal marketing. And it's not on the B2B side. I mean, we can do so much, but we are so dependent on the sales organization. And you have to get them excited and rallied behind what you're doing. And then there's the excitement piece. And then there is the enablement piece because I can get you excited, but you have to be trained. You have to know how to deliver. You have to know the why. And I, I think that is something that so many B2B marketers miss, but you miss once. Yep, absolutely. And I think knowing the why from a sales team's perspective is hugely important. Completely. And it's the, let me walk you through how you're going to make more money. <laughs> <laughs> That's always the why. Yeah. <laughs> Final question before the lightning round. What do you see as you know, the critical components of the future of digital experience? Yeah, I mean, great question, because I think so many organizations are, I mean, I think they're struggling with the, with the now of digital experience. And already we're racing ahead and being asked to think about the future, which is, I think, completely valid because the technology is, is taking off. But I think that from, a, from an experience perspective, and certainly as it relates to marketing technology, I really think that in the next couple of years, we're going to see just tremendous simplification of the marketing technology because the stacks have gotten so complicated. And I think that with the combination of things like AI that are going to hopefully automate some of the more complex components of of setting up to drive things like personalization, we're going to see simplification there. I think we're going to see new young companies who are disruptive, who just don't have all the legacy technology issues come in and disrupt from an experience standpoint. I think that marketers are just really trying to simplify the process. And 
even as they, if you assume that they've got the alignment from the C-suite, they're driving digital transformation, they've got a roadmap, they understand the customer journey, then it kind of gets into how are they leveraging the technology at their disposal to actually make digital experience happen? And so I think that process is going to become radically simpler. And even from, I think, Sitecore's perspective today, we're already working on a number of things within our own technology. We've got automated personalization capabilities that we're testing. We've got AI built into our technology. And from just an everyday perspective in the life of the digital marketer, we've also got partnerships like, like the one that we have with Salesforce, where we're doing integrations with the, the Sitecore technology from a web content manager and digital experience side with the Salesforce Marketing Cloud to just give digital marketers an interface that they can use every day to be able to pull content from Sitecore, leverage it in their Salesforce marketing campaign, be able to have that same content go out across all of their systems from within a Salesforce marketing cloud that they use every day versus having to go into multiple systems. So that's one example right now. And I love that when we talk about integrations, we all use our hands to integrate, like <laughs> putting both of your fingers together. Like it is, it's the, uh, uh, it's like, a, I don't know, it's, no, it's the not univer- Freudian. What is it? I would say it's a universal language for coming together. Yeah, there you go. They can um, see that on the on the radio, yeah, right? right? Absolutely. That's exactly yeah. right. Absolutely. Um, two, <laughs> two hands coming together is one. Pavlovian, that's what I was thinking, not Freudian, jeez. Um, all right, let's get in the lightning round. I love the lightning round. These questions are fast and easy, just like marketing automation with Pardot. You can go to pardot.com slash podcast to learn more about B2B marketing on the world's number one CRM. Lightning, fast, and easy questions. Paige, are you ready? I'm not sure, but I'll say yes. <laughs> <laughs> number one, what app are you using on your phone that is most fun? LinkedIn is my favorite app. All right. <laughs> you actually get really good content on LinkedIn, I find. I love the engagement that you get. Yes. I, I think of it as an employee engagement, a partner engagement platform. Yep. What is your favorite vacation spot? Mallorca. Ooh. Uh, what is your favorite book you've read recently? I just read this great book called, a, I think it's called A Good Time to Be a Girl. And it's about women in tech and the workplace and just kind of making way for women to be more their more authentic selves in business. I love that. I'm going to have we'll to check that out. Yeah, we'll link that up in the show notes. What ad campaign have you seen recently that you're envious of? You know, I don't watch ads anymore. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to come up with something. Too causey, but like the Burger King movie meals that they did. I think the Burger King people are weird. I love her. How about how about how about why don't we change it to say which ad I mean I don't want to get anyone in trouble here but like <laughs> ad campaign that's the weirdest. What about this like Kentucky Fried Chicken Aunt Jemima commercial? I mean, wow, have you guys seen that? No. No. You might have nightmares if you watch it, but it's this it's this TV ad of Colonel Sanders and Aunt Jemima, and they're like in this romantic Oh my god. They're dancing and there's this mood music, and I think they actually kiss each other. I'm gonna have nightmares about that for that for some time to come. I oh. did not know that. That's yeah. really funny. Yeah. I'm here for it though. <laughs> hey, be memorable. That's always yes, marketing, it's marketing is supposed memorable. to be remarkable. Yeah. It's definitely memorable. Just might not convey the right memories. I know it is KFC plus Aunt Jemima, it's in my brain now. Chicken and waffles. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. What are you most excited about for the future of marketing? I'm most excited about the promise of AI because I I think that – I don't think it's going to be a panacea. I think we still have a lot of hard work to do to get content and data to the point where we can actually leverage it for customer experience. But I think that – as AI continues to come online and we're able to offload some of the hard work to automate that, it's going to give marketers much more time to think about the stuff that we love, which is the messaging and the thought leadership and the kind of the branding and not have to worry about the process and the minutia of actually setting up content and campaigns. It'll give us a chance to do even better work. Yeah. Best advice for a first-time CMO? Align with your C-suite. Final question of the lightning round. What question do you never get asked that you wish you were asked more often? 
You know, nobody ever asks. I, I'm 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 a huge dog fan. I've got a German Shepherd. No one ever asks about my dog. Yeah, I'd what's love your to be talking name? about my dog during during all of these questions. Right? I feel like we should have asked this in the beginning, right? Wait, we have a hashtag <laughs> dogs channel on our Slack that it's just all of people on mission teams, different their dogs, and it's great. It is like a plus content. My girlfriend's always like, "Hey, what's what's going on in the dogs channel oh, today?" That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I told good. my team last week they were showing me some new brand images, and there were one or two in there of this guy interfacing with this bulldog and I said if you guys want to get things approved you should just show me more images of people interacting with dogs yeah no right <laughs> that's exactly just tag tag someone on uh on Instagram that's like a dog photo but the second slideshow is like like hey could I get that approval for the yeah PO that I sent I want to be on your slack channel the dog what is I it know. dog slack yeah it's, it's it's just hashtag dogs it's great I know we should open that up maybe we'll do like a uh, marketing trends dog channel like start our own Slack. I, or I will say I often um, stalk that channel. I'm not a poster in that channel, <laughs> but I often I'm a Slack stalker that uh. I don't post, but I'm definitely a lurker. And occasionally I like I like things, <laughs> and it's always out of nowhere. Shout out to Hillary's dog Ozzy, who was looking pristine in his. Uh, he had an inflatable vest because he was. They were on a lake. We'll post it. We'll post it at the Mission HQ Aww. on Twitter because Ozzy's <laughs> Ozzy's a pro. Well, we have had so much fun today, Paige, that we're well over the allotted time. <laughs> um, but I just, you know, we couldn't resist. Thanks so much for coming on. Any final uh, things to plug or shout outs or anything? Uh, no, just thank you guys so much for coming by. Glad you could stop by the SFHQ, and it was it was really fun. This was fantastic. Yep. Talk soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of Marketing Trends. Marketing Trends is brought to you by Salesforce Pardot. World-class B2B marketers use Pardot to generate and nurture leads, close more deals, and maximize ROI at every stage of the sales cycle. Empower your marketing team to become revenue-generating superheroes and let Pardot's data analysis keep an eye on the bottom line. Learn more by visiting pardot.com podcast or click on the link in our show notes. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.